We've been on a series that we're calling Forsaken Identity, and we said that many believers are dealing with a case of mistaken identity. And what I mean by that is that they are walking this Christian walk, identifying with who they used to be. They're fighting the good fight of faith, identifying with who they used to be. They are approaching God, relating to God, identifying with who they used to be. And we're identifying what we have forsaken and who we are in Christ now. Okay? Go to, uh, did I tell you to turn to Galatians 2? Go turn to Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. And we said previously that if you can't find it in Christ, that then it doesn't belong in your life. Why? Because we are dead. We died to who we were, and we were born again. We were fathered again, and we are children of God now, and our life is hidden in Christ. Our life is, uh, Christ is our life, Colossians 3 says. And so we look to Christ to find out who we are and how we should be, what we should be, how we should act, what is in us. And last week we talked about what? We talked about that, uh, we talked about the righteous are what? Bold as lions. And we were excited about that. We talked about the righteous are as bold as lions. But you know, you can't be bold as lion as a lion with sin consciousness, with guilt and shame, with condemnation, with fear and timidity. You cannot be as bold as a lion as the righteous should be and are supposed to be if you are sin conscious and if you have condemnation and guilt. And so we talked that Jesus completely freed, of, freed us of sin consciousness. You know, you're not going to be an ambassador uh, and a representative of God with sin consciousness. We, we are his representatives. We are his ambassadors. We are supposed to proclaim his goodness. But if you feel guilt and condemnation, you're not going to do that the way you should. You're not going to be, you're not going to feel that you are worthy enough to walk in the plan and the purpose that God has for you if you are dealing with guilt and shame all the time. And so we want to get our focus on who we are in Christ and his righteousness. And I couldn't get away from this. I, I was preparing and I thought we would go on to another topic, not another series, but another subject with our identity. But the Lord brought me back here to righteousness again. So there's some things we need to get out of righteousness again. So all the Word of God is important, but you know this area about righteousness is one of the most important areas that we can focus on and learn about. Uh, and we'll, we're going to see that a lot more clear today, I believe. But Galatians 2.20 says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you believe that you, your old identity, has been crucified with Christ? That old sin nature has been crucified with Christ. Do you believe that you have been made completely righteous? That you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Do you believe that you are righteous? Do you believe that you have been accepted 
in, as a child of God, that you are fully approved and you are fully accepted. Well, well, you know, we need to establish this more. We need to establish this and settle this so that there is no hesitation. There is no doubt. We are fully convinced that we are the righteousness of God, that we are accepted, that we're his children. Righteousness um, has to do with our position, our standing with God. That is what righteousness is. We read last week a quote from E.W. Kenyon, uh, his book on two kinds of righteousness. He says, righteousness means the ability to stand in God's presence without the sense of guilt, condemnation, or inferiority. And he also said, righteousness means the ability to stand in the Father's presence as though sin had never touched us and with the same liberty and freedom that Jesus had with the Father in his earth walk. So do you believe that God sees you the same way he sees Jesus? He sees you exactly the same way that he sees Jesus. And we need to see that because how are we going to accomplish his plan? How are we going to accomplish his purpose? How are we going to do what Jesus said in his earthly ministry when he said that the works that I do, you will do, and greater works than these shall you do because I go unto my Father? Well, how are you going to do the works that he does or has did, never mind greater works, if you're full of condemnation, if you're full of guilt, if you're full of shame? You, you won't. You, you can't. And so, you know, if we're acting still like we're just old sinners, saved by grace, if we're, if we're acting like that, I don't think people realize what they're implying when they say those things. I don't think people realize that what they're implying is that the new birth wasn't good enough, that what Jesus did in redemption was just a waste of time. It didn't work. It was a failure. They're not saying that, but when you say that we're just still old sinners, what you're saying is that what Jesus did didn't work and that we are not new creatures in Christ and that old things have not passed away and that all things are not brand new. People don't realize that, but that's what they're saying. They're saying that, no, we're still sinners, that, yeah, even though Jesus was made sin uh, that, so that we can be righteous, no, no, we're still old sinners. No, he wasn't made sin so that we could still be sinners. He wasn't made sin so that we can stay in the same spiritual condition that we were in before. No, what he did was not a failure. What he did was sufficient. The new birth, the redemption, what he did was enough to get rid of the old. We are no longer old sinners. Just because you have sin. You are not a practicing sinner anymore. You are a righteous child of God. And we need to be more conscious of that than we are, that we are sinners. Then we, we're not sinners anymore. Somebody said, well, we won't be fully righteous until we die and go to heaven. Well, if that's the case, that you're, and you're saying that the work of redemption is not finished until death occurs, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that death is an enemy of God. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, that the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. Is God and the enemy working together to give us redemption? 
Is he working with the enemy of death to give us redemption? No, he's not. We are the righteousness of God in Christ right now. And if you are not righteous before you die, you won't become righteous after you die. It's too late then. You have to be righteous before you die, not after you die. Amen? We are the righteousness of God right now. You know, it's, it, it's disrespectful to the blood of Jesus and the work of redemption to imply that, no, we're just all old sinners and we're just so unworthy and, and we're so worthless. So we're just worms on this earth. No, we are not. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. If the first part of that scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, where it says, him who knew no sin, or he was made to be sin, him who knew no sin, then the second part is true, where it says that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. If the first part is true, the second part is true. It's not just the, old, the first part, he was made sin, oh, we're forgiven. Well, what does that mean? That means we are now the righteousness of God in Christ. We are made righteous with his righteousness. Just like he became sin, we are made righteous. Amen? We're made righteous. Where, where were we at? Uh, Galatians, right? Uh, go, yeah, let's stay there in Galatians. No, well, I'm not done with that. Um, you know, I know people they don't always feel they're righteous. I understand that. People don't always feel that they are the righteousness of God in Christ. They don't always feel like it. And so because of that, they have more faith in that than they do in what Jesus did. They have more faith in their feelings than they do in the work of redemption. And so, you know, Christians, they, they walk around with their head down, feeling like they're so unworthy, they're so undeserving. And no, we are not deserving because of what we did, but we are qualified because of what Jesus did. We have a right to go into the presence of the Father because of what Jesus did. So we are qualified, not of our own righteousness, but in what Jesus has done. And so, you know, there is this because people feel unworthy and they remember their past mistakes and their past failures, there is a cycle. There's a cycle of always feeling like you don't measure up, always feeling like God is not happy with you, always feeling like God is angry with you. And what happens is you can take that out on other people. When you feel like you're at fault and God is not happy with you, that is portrayed onto other people. You are going to make other people feel like you're never happy with them, and they're going to get that. Oh, man, he's never happy. This condemnation, it's condemnation, it's guilt, it's shame. And we got to get rid of it. We got to deal with it. You know, people, you know, they get so depressed and, and beat up and, and uh, because of condemnation, because of guilt, because of shame. You know, they come to a place where they feel a little confident, they feel like, all right, they, they come to church on Sunday and they're excited. They, their faith is energized and they are feeling confident, but then the devil comes and beats them up the next day. No, you're not where you can't, you can't do that. You have, you're not enough. You haven't done enough. Well, we need to get free of this guilt and shame. It's not based on our righteousness anyway. 
It's based on his. Galatians, just stay there. It says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If our sin nature has been crucified, then wouldn't the result, which our sin nature is the result of sin, which was separation from God, then wouldn't it make sense that the things that were a result of sin, like condemnation, like guilt, like shame, wouldn't that make sense then that that was also crucified? Because it was a result of sin. It's a result of sin. God didn't say, okay, you've been crucified with Christ. I've forgiven your sins, but I still want you to feel guilty. I still want you to walk around feeling like, you, you know, with this guilt and shame, like you never measure up, like you're not good enough. No. He got rid of the sin problem, which means the condemnation, which means the guilt. And the second part of that verse says this. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Now, condemnation can come because of a result of sin, but condemnation, guilt, shame, this fear, timidity can also come as a result of what you didn't do, as as a result of what you know you should do, but you didn't do. You ever had that? I know I was supposed to do this, but I didn't do it. And so the enemy tries to bring this guilt and this game, this shame. Because I know I should be doing this, but I'm not doing it. Well, Jesus paid for that too. It's our guilt. It's our condemnation. It's our shame. Jesus is bigger than any mistake, any failure, anything we didn't do, anything that we did do, anything that we did not do that we know we were supposed to do. He's bigger than that too. And he's bigger than anything someone else did to you, did to us. You know, people believe lies that what happened to them was their fault. No, it's not your fault. When someone yielded to the devil, when someone gave into their flesh, when someone, you know, yielded to the devil, obeyed their, their devilish desires and harmed you, that's not your fault. Don't feel shame over that. Don't feel condemnation over that. That's not from you. That's not from God. That's from the devil. And it's nothing that you need to be ashamed about and feel guilty about because it was not from God. Amen? But it says, I don't set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. What is he talking about? He's saying this trying to work for it, trying to perform, trying to keep all the commands and all the laws to earn righteousness. When you do that, you are saying this grace I'm putting aside. It's meaningless. It's insufficient. He's saying, the Amplified says it this way, I do not treat God's gracious gift as something of minor importance and defeat its very purpose. I do not set aside and invalidate and frustrate and nullify the grace, unmerited favor of God, for of justification, righteousness, acquittal from guilt, comes through observing the ritual of the law, then Christ the Messiah died groundlessly and to no purpose and in vain. His death was then wholly 
superfluous. And we know that's not true. No, we don't want to frustrate the grace of God. We don't want to try to work for this and earn this grace. One translation says, I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless. See, it takes humility to receive this righteousness. It does. It actually takes humility because then you have to say, well, I'm not good enough on my own. And that takes humility. See, pride doesn't want to admit, I am on my own, I'm weak. On my own, I'm insufficient. Pride doesn't want to admit that. Humility would say, you know what, on my own, I am not enough in my own, but thank God I have the gift of righteousness. Thank God for the grace of God in my life. Uh, Thank God for this unmerited favor, this unearned favor in my life and this grace in my life. And so because of that, I'm righteous. See, it takes humility to say that. And when we receive his righteousness, that is exactly what it is. It's his righteousness. It's not ours. Now go to Romans 5 so we can get to what we need to get to today. Romans chapter 5. Romans 5, starting with verse 15, it says, But the free gift is not like the offense. For by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Now, no sin can compare with the power of the blood of Jesus. No sin can compare with the spotless blood of the lamb. No, the the one sin that Adam committed, that man has committed, is not greater than what Jesus did. And it says, and the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Say this with me. Abundance of grace, grace. the gift of righteousness, righteousness. reign reign in life. Let's say it again. Abundance of grace. The gift of righteousness righteousness. reign in life. life. I want you to get that in your spirit. Let's say it one more time. Abundance of grace, grace. the gift of righteousness righteousness. reign in life. life. How will we reign in this life? Through Jesus, but it's because we receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. You guys see that? It says much more those who receive. So we have to receive this abundance of grace and gift of righteousness. And then we will reign through life. The Amplified says it this way, those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them into right standing with himself, reign as kings in life. Did you hear that? reign as kings. That's king talk. That's royalty talk. 
in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. We will be successful in this life or reign in this life, rule and reign like kings in this life by receiving the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. So what if we don't receive this abundance of grace? What if, what if we don't receive this gift of righteousness? Then we won't be reigning as kings. We won't be ruling and reigning as kings. There will be things ruling and reigning over our lives if we don't receive this abundance of grace and this gift of righteousness. There will be condemnation of guilt and sin, uh, of, of sin. There will be shame ruling over us if we don't receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. There, we won't be able to rule over sickness and disease, over poverty and lack, over depression, if we don't receive this abundance of grace and this gift of righteousness. Those things will be ruling and reigning over us. You know, you're not going to be bold enough to receive the blessings of God if you are in condemnation. You're not going to go and take what has been promised to you if you are dealing with guilt and condemnation. You know, if, you, if I was holding a gift here and I said, man, this is for you. I was holding an 85-inch TV. I've seen those at the Sam's Club. I'm like, wow, 85-inch huge TV. We got to get one of those. But anyway, so if I was holding an 85-inch TV, but you were feeling bad, you were like, man, I let them down. Man, I, uh, you know, I'm just not worthy of that. You, you, I could say, hey, this is yours. Come and get it. But if you feel bad enough and if you feel condemnation enough and guilty enough, you will not get up and go get what belongs to you because you are not receiving the abundance of grace and this gift of righteousness. I'm saying, hey, I know you aren't, don't deserve it, but I'm giving you this gift of righteousness. I'm giving you this abundance of grace. You have to receive it. You know, Psalms 103, what does that say in Psalms 103? I know we can quote it by heart, but let me just, uh, well, let me just turn there. It says, Psalms 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He has benefits, right? It says, Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction and who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth, the, the other translations say desires, with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. How many know these, there are benefits to living for God, to serving God. But if you are dealing with condemnation and guilt, you won't experience the benefits. You won't receive the benefits. You won't appropriate and take by faith what is yours because you'll feel ashamed. You'll feel condemned. You'll feel so unworthy. But I don't care what you've done, what you didn't do. The grace of God is sufficient. The grace of God is more than enough to clean and fully clean you from all unrighteousness. Anything that you've done in the past, if you repent it, it's gone. The Lord doesn't remember it no more. He doesn't bring it up. He's not thinking about it. He's not, it, it's not on his mind when you go to him. The Lord is not thinking about what you did last year. 
He, you are fully clean. It doesn't matter how heinous of a crime you committed, how horrible it was, how many lives it affected. You are fully clean if you repented. You are just as clean as someone who's been saved for 50 years. Someone who's been saved for 80 years, you are just as righteous as they are. You are just as righteous as the the man of God that has won hundreds of thousands of people to the Lord, that has given millions of of his money to the kingdom of God, that has sacrificed his life and time to the work of the gospel. You are just as righteous as him. If you got saved last night, you are just as righteous as him. We are the righteousness of God in Christ. You, you cannot grow in the righteousness of God. You are fully righteous right now. You do not grow or develop in righteousness. You can, now, you can grow in your understanding of it, and you can grow in your faith in righteousness, but you don't grow in righteousness. You can uh, develop in your righteous works and your actions, but ri- you are either 100% righteous or you are not righteous at all. There is not a different position for people. You are righteous right here. Here's your position. You have a different level of righteousness. You have attained, and you're right here. No, we are all accepted in Christ. We are seated together in heavenly places with Christ. We have the same right standing that Jesus does because it's his right standing. It's his righteousness. You don't get a different standing of righteousness. You don't grow or develop in it. You guys see that? We are righteous right now. We are righteous with his righteousness. Say, I'm the righteousness of God. Hallelujah. We are the righteousness of God. See, in God's sight, when he sees you, he sees you like Jesus. In God's sight, in his eyes, when he looks at you, he sees Jesus. He's not waiting till you develop and grow into more righteousness. No, he sees you as completely righteous. Now understand, there, are two, there is another side to everything, and we won't get into it in this series or this message even, but there is another side to these things. Now, you can... There are things that you can do to earn God's trust. And you can be faithful with what he gives you. And he will be able to trust you with more. That's a totally different subject. But you, as far as your position and place in Christ, and you're standing with him, you are 100% righteous right now. He has fully accepted you right now. And this is what we're talking about because we got to get rid of this condemnation and guilt because we will not rule and reign in Christ if we're thinking that there's something between me and God. It says here, where are we, uh, Romans 5? I've got lost in my notes here. Romans five seventeen. we just read, right? Okay. Um. We won't, the only way you're going to be able to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need is when you are not dealing with condemnation, when you are not dealing with guilt and shame. And think about this, what is the mercy and grace for? The mercy and grace is to rule and reign in this life. What else would you need grace for? 
What else would you need his favor for? What else would you need his ability for? What else would you need his empowering and his blessing and his favor for? It's so that you can rule and reign in this life, so that you can reign over the circumstances and not allow the circumstances to rule over you. See, this is, Lord, help me. This is so important that we understand this guilt and shame will hinder us from walking in who we are supposed to be, walking in our purpose. Because you can only walk in your purpose as someone that knows your purpose, someone that is reigning in life. Because you know, I can go to God and he'll answer my prayer. I can go to God and he'll grant my request. If we're praying in line with the will of God, then our prayers will be answered. But if there is this condemnation, what does it say in 1 John 3.21? Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, then we have confidence towards God. Confidence is because there's no condemnation. If there's condemnation, we won't have confidence towards God. You guys see that? If our heart does not condemn us. See, it's not the Lord. The Lord does not condemn us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. He convinces us. People say, the Lord, he was condemning me. No, he doesn't condemn you. He, you your own heart will condemn you, because, and that's what we're trying to get rid of. But if you do something wrong, your heart will fill this guilt and this shame, and we want to get rid of it quick. But it's the Holy Spirit that convict, convicts us or convinces us, okay? But this condemnation will cause you not to come to God and have confidence and, and not have boldness. But when we have boldness, when we have confidence, we know the things that we pray for. He hears us. So this is so important that we get this straight. Go to 1 John chapter 4. You know, Jesus, he had no guilt no condemnation in his life. And you know, he was also, I'm talking about in his earthly ministry. And he was also ruling and reigning in his earthly ministry. You know, Jesus, he never lacked provision. Did you know that? It, when, he, when he needed something, when he had a need, when he needed to feed the 5,000, what did he do? He took the loaves and the fishes and he thanked the Lord and blessed it and it multiplied no shame, no condemnation, not saying, oh, no, no, I'm not sure if I can do this. Maybe I didn't heal enough people today. Maybe I didn't preach a good enough sermon. No, no condemnation, no guilt. You know, when him and Peter need money to pay their taxes, told Peter, go fish, and in that fish's mouth, there'll be some money, pay you, you and my taxes. No lack, reigning over his circumstances. Not his circumstances reigning over him. He's reigned because there was no shame, no confidence. We say, well, that was Jesus, of course. He doesn't know what it's like to feel guilt and shame. No, Jesus became sin. He became sin. He knows more than anybody what it is to be separated from the Father. When he was on the cross, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was sin. He understands all that comes with sin because he paid not, he didn't just pay for the act of sin, Everything that was a result of sin, the guilt, the condemnation, he felt all that. All that was put on Jesus. All that was what is what Jesus became. So he knows more than anybody. And when he rose, he rose righteous, justified. 
not ashamed to go into the presence of Father. He didn't say, oh, I know I became sin, Father. I mean, how can I come in your presence? No, he rose up. The Bible calls him what? The firstborn. He's the firstborn again, the firstborn of many brethren. And he gave us his very own righteousness. Amen? 1 John 4, verse 17, it says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so we might be one day. Because as he is, so are we going to be when we get to heaven. No, because as he is, so are we in this world. Not the next world, in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. And how can we have boldness on the day of judgment? How, how, how are we going to have boldness? It says in Revelation that mighty men and kings and rich men and people, they're going to be hiding in the caves. Uh, they're going to say, mountains fall on us, hide us from the face of God from the face of the, the judge on that day, uh, on that great day of the wrath of God. They're going to be talking and asking the mountains to fall on them, to hide them from God. And we're just going to be saying, hey, Father. Hey, Father. How are you, Father? No, no timidity, no fear, no shame. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. Well, then how is he? He is fully loved by the Father. He is fully righteous. He is fully accepted. There's no shame, no condemnation. He knows his place. That's how we are. Just like Jesus, that's how we are. It says in the previous chapters that when we will see him, we'll, we'll realize that we're just like him. We'll be like, wow. And he's going to be like, I've been trying to tell you this. That you are just as accepted as I am. That you are just as loved as I am. That you are just as righteous as I am. You could have been ruling and reigning, man. You could have been living like a king down there. We need a revelation of this. That we are just like him. As he is, so are we in this world. Why? Because we are complete in him. The Bible says we are complete in him in Colossians. We're complete. We're, we are completely righteous in him, completely justified in him. And there's only one way we could come into the presence of the Father. There's only one way we could come boldly into the throne room of grace to obtain mercy and, and grace in our time of need. That is through the blood of Jesus. That's through, it's not, we're not coming arrogantly in there. We're not coming haughtily or pridefully. We're coming in through the blood of Jesus. And if that wasn't enough, then there is nothing that would be enough. So that means there's no one more righteous than us. <laughs> there's no one. He's like, wait a minute, Jesus is more righteous. No, it's his righteousness that he gave us. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus give us his righteousness? Why would he come down here, sacrifice his life? He was already accepted with the Father. He already had a good position with the Father, a good place with the Father. Why would he do that? Because he wants us to experience what he's experiencing. He wants us to have what he has. He wants us to enjoy what he's enjoying. Fellowship with the Father without fear, without timidity, without any concern 
you know, we got to be careful about going to the, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Go to 1 John chapter 1. You know, I know this sounds, when you, when you, man, this is amazing stuff, and it almost sounds too good to be true in the natural. Uh, because and that, that's why people stay away from God, and they don't come to church because they think that they have to try to get cleaned up first, and they have to do all these things so that God accepts them. But the Word of God has to be our standard and final authority. The Word of God, not religion, not traditions of men, not confused people, not philosophy, not what somebody told you, not what grandma or grandpa said. It has to be what the Word of God says. The Word of God, like we sang in that song, that is the rock on which we stand. That is our firm foundation. That's the only thing that is going to be standing when the storms of life come, is the Word of God, is us standing on the Word of God. And if we're not standing on the Word of God, then our life will fall apart. We will fall. And that's why we need to make sure that our identity is secure in who Jesus said we are and what Jesus made us to be. Amen? You know, don't, don't place and elevate your failures above the Word of God. Don't elevate your experiences above the Word of God. Don't elevate your feelings above the Word of God. You know, people feel so bad about things they've done or they didn't do. I just didn't do this. You know, it, it, you know, it could be something very small. I, I was talking to somebody maybe, I don't know, several months ago, and this was nothing immoral that they did, but there was a, a, they were in business and they didn't handle this transaction. Uh, well, they didn't do what they should have done that would have gotten them paid. And they didn't do anything wrong. They just were new to this and they didn't know, hey, I could have got paid from doing this. So they ended up just basically working for free when they could have got paid. And this payday was a huge amount of money. I mean, I'm talking about like close to $100,000. And so they were kicking themselves for a while, man. They were kicking themselves, just feeling horrible and shame and embarrassment. And they feel like, man, I missed out on the blessing of God. Well, we make mistakes. And they finally got it straight that, okay, wait a minute. This ain't helping me. This condemnation and guilt that I miss God's blessing is not going to help me get in line for something else. That God's merciful. I'm still the righteousness of God in Christ. See, it can be something just like that where you feel like, man, I, I blew it. I made a mistake. I could have been experiencing this, enjoying this. That's a form of guilt and shame and condemnation. And we need to get rid of that because that will stop us from going to the Father again because we'll think like, man, I must be dumb. I can't hear from God. The Holy Spirit was trying, probably trying to tell me and I completely missed it. Do you see that? We got to watch that. We could, you know, because I've done those things before. Have you ever, maybe you're perfect, but I've had some situations where I knew the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, go minister to that person. Go witness to that person. And maybe I didn't do and I didn't do it. And then I felt that guilt and that shame and that condemnation. And so you think, oh, man, now no, I'm not going to have that again. God's not going to talk to me again. You're beating yourself. That's guilt and condemnation. We got to get rid of that. We got to get, we, we recognize it. Okay, Lord, I repent. I'm sorry. Hey, get right back in. You're right standing with him. 
get right back into the place of receiving mercy and grace so you can rule and reign in this life and expect, hey, you're going to speak again to me. He's not holding out. He's not going to say, no, no, you're no right. You're no longer righteous. You missed it. No, get back in. Get back in. First uh, John 1 says this, if we f- confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, it doesn't say he will forgive us, but he wants us to act pitiful for the next three days, the next three months, right? He doesn't want us to go into mourning. He doesn't want us to, you know, we have to do 20 Hail Marys. No, that's tradition. That's religion. (laughs) He doesn't say you have to show remorse. Then I know you, you know, sometimes, and we have to be careful that we are not like that with people. You know, sometimes you see, you know, celebrities, athletes, they make a mistake and people are looking, they want to see some remorse. You know, and I I get it. You know, you want to see that people are sincere, but we can't treat people like they have all this baggage if they've repented. We can't go to God like we have all this history. You understand what I mean by that? We cannot approach God as though he is thinking about the last two years of our lives. We can't approach him like, God, oh, man, I know I committed that sin two years ago. Oh, man, I know I did that five years ago. Oh, man. You can't, we can't approach God like that. We can't. That is guilt, condemnation. You know, and people don't say that. They're not saying that to God, but it's in the back of their mind. They're thinking about the times they missed it, the times they ignored him, the times they didn't do what he said to do, and they're approaching God like that. We can approach God like that. Well, we're not going to receive the mercy and grace to, do, to rule and reign in this life if we're coming to God with guilt and condemnation because we feel like we don't deserve it. We're unworthy. And we need to be careful that we're not treating each other like that. That we're not looking at someone as we're talking to them and we're saying, man, I know what you did five years ago, man. You know, how do, who do you think you are giving that person a prophecy, giving that person a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom? I know what you did 10 years ago, man. No, we, we cannot treat people like that. We cannot look at people that people say, oh, but I do have all these issues and I have all this baggage. Well, get rid of it. Repent. Ask God to forgive you. And then don't remember it anymore. The Bible says Jesus, uh, the word of God says that he will remove all our, iniqu- our sins and iniquities. He will remember no more. Well, if he's not remembering it, we shouldn't be remembering it. We shouldn't be bringing it up to people. We shouldn't be saying, yeah, I know what you did five years ago. <laughs> you know, we got we to gotta stop that. We can't approach God with history. It says he is faithful. That means we can trust and rely on him that he will be faithful to forgive us. This is how you see. This is written to Christians. This is written to believers. First John is written to believers. This is not written to unsaved people. He's talking to Christians. If you sin, all right, you, you, we were made new creatures in Christ when we got saved, when we got born again. So now if you sin now and you got some unrighteous, you did some unrighteous things, this is, he's saying, ask for forgiveness. And what happens? You get clean again. You become a, you're, you're a new creature. You're back to being a new creature again. All those old things are passed away and you act just like that now. 
you go to the Father just like that now because he's not remembering it. He does, as far as the east is from the west, actually says that in Psalms 103, your sins are removed. So he's not even thinking about it. You could have sinned an hour ago and you sincerely ask for forgiveness, you can still approach God, walk right up boldly and say, Father, I can use some mercy and grace so that you can rule and reign in life. Do you guys see that? Do you guys see what I'm saying? We, he is faithful. I don't care if you missed it. <laughs> you know, uh, have you ever missed it in an area more than once, more than twice, more than 10 times, more than 100 times? <laughs> and you almost don't want to go to God because it's like, oh my goodness, I got to repent about this again. Hey, he already knows you did it anyway, so you might as well just go and do it, right? <laughs> but and I'm not, it only have to be something immoral. Every time you talk about sin, it's not something immoral. It could just be that you got annoyed and got out of your love walk, right? You snapped on someone. You got impatient with someone when you shouldn't have. Come on, Mary folks know what that's like, you know? <laughs> so, but, and everybody knows what that's like. But you can feel like, man, I don't want to go to God about this. Well, he is faithful. He is faithful. And he'll forgive you for the thousandth time. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord. And that means you're just as clean as you were before, you, uh, as when you got saved and when you received Jesus, you're just as clean. And he can still use you. He can still use you. You know, sometimes we wonder, how can God use a person like that? Man, I know their history. I know their past. How are they leading hundreds of thousands to the Lord? How are they laying hands on the sick? How are they giving words of knowledge? Well, yeah, their sin might have been something big and great. But what Jesus did was bigger and greater than that sin. There's no sin bigger than what Jesus did. No, there's nothing bigger than that. And they, if they're aware of that, then they can be fully clean, fully righteous, hold their head up. You know, it is an amazing thing to know who you are. To walk in a room, to not feel condemned, to not feel no shame, to look people in the eye, to say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about me, what I did. I don't care if you know what I did five years ago. I don't care if you know what I did a year ago. Today, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. And God accepts me. And he loves me just like he loves Jesus. And if he loves me and he accepts me, that's good enough for me. Amen? It's an amazing thing to know who you are in Christ. And if we want to reach our full potential in this life, if we want to walk in our purpose and what God has assigned for us, then it is going to require us getting rid of this condemnation. It's going to require us not identifying with who we used to be anymore. Because God wants us to rule and reign in this life. We can only rule and reign in this life without the guilt, without the shame. Are you guys seeing that? This is so important to how we are going to rule and reign in this life. You know, because the devil, he, he wants to constantly remind you of what you've done. I know you've noticed that. He wants to constantly remind you. And so you're believing God. You're praying to him. You're asking the Lord, you know, for healing. You're, you're believing God for finance. You're believing God for your family. You're believing God. And he's saying, who do you think you are? You're not qualified to ask him this. You're not, you, you haven't done enough. You haven't. You, who, who are you to ask the Lord? You see, that's guilt. That's condemnation, that's shame, and we got to refuse to feel that guilt and shame. When that happens, so the first thing we do 
if we act unrighteously, if we do commit some sins, first thing, 1 John 1.9. 1 John 9, 1 John 1, 9 puts us back to being new creatures in Christ, where old things are passed away and all things are new. That's what 1 John 1, 9 does. But then, when the devil brings those thoughts, what do we do? We hold fast. The Bible says in Hebrews 10, 23, hold fast to the confession of your faith without wavering, for he is faithful, that promise. You hold fast to your confession. You don't say anything else. You may not feel like the righteousness of God. You may not feel like you are qualified to be in the presence of God. You may not feel like you're ruling and reigning in in this life, but you say by faith, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And it's because of the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that I am able to rule and reign in this life, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ, that I am accepted with Jesus, that I am a child of God. Behold, now are we sons of God. Beloved, now are we children of God. We are children of God right now. And I'm positioned with him right now in heavenly places. You say it by faith. And you may have to say it a hundred times before your feelings, before you start to feel like it. Well, that's why we hold fast to that confession. We don't want to say I'm unworthy because then you're going to just be more aware of that. You hold fast to your confession of faith. You confess your sins And then you hold fast to your confession of faith. You say, I repented. It's under the blood. I'm blood washed. I'm the righteousness of God. That's what you do. You hold fast. And if you made a mistake and you repented and now you are, and the Lord forgive you, what does it say? He cleans you from, he will clean you from all unrighteousness. Well, if he cleans you from all unrighteousness, How much unrighteousness do you have? None. That means you are 100% righteous. You are 100% righteous again. Uh, E.W. Kenyon, we are saying he wrote the book, Two Kinds of Righteousness. He said this, Righteousness restores to man all that he lost in the fall plus a new relationship as son with all its privileges. Glory to God. It reminds me of the story of the prodigal son. What happened? He came back. The father put a robe on him, put a ring on him, put sandals on him. That represented authority. That represented family, a place in the family, that he has a position in the family. And now he, that, that's, that ring has to do with authority. That's to do with ruling and reigning. And then he gave him some new sandals. Took them old, dirty, muddy sandals off that he was playing in the pig pen with. Put some new sandals on him. Now he can walk through this life ruling and reigning. Do you see that? Ruling and reigning. He gave him his robe, his righteousness, his authority. And said, now go through this life ruling and reigning in life. We need to, the way we're going to rule and reign is by this abundance of grace and gift of righteousness so that we can be like Jesus in his earthly ministry. Jesus actually said, in that day you'll ask me nothing, but you will ask the Father, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. 
Well, how can we believe that if we feel unworthy and ashamed and uh, full of shame and guilt and condemnation? No, we won't. We only believe that if we know we are just as righteous as him, if we are just as clean as he is. You guys see that? That's how that's why the church hasn't been ruling and reigning. But once we get a hold of this, once we grasp this, man, we'll be like the book of Acts church. The book of Acts church, it said that, man, these, they, they took notice that these were the people that turned the world upside down. They'll be saying that about us. Those are the people that have turned the world upside down. Who are those people? People that know that there's a righteousness of God in Christ. People that know how to rule and reign in this life. Amen? This is the thing that is missing. As people are, the church is so full of condemnation because the enemy has got in to the church with his religious ideas, with his traditional, with tradition, telling people that they're sinners, you're lowly, you're just a worm, and people have been more confident in that than in the work of redemption, than in the blood of Jesus, than in the righteousness of God. We get this, the church will rise up like a giant. That's why you can go to other nations that have not heard that they're just lowly worms and they're just old sinners. And man, you got to watch what songs you sing. I don't care if they're Christian songs. If they're talking about you're just unworthy, oh God, we're just depressed, we're just lowly and broken and hopeless, turn that off. Because what is it doing? It's just making you more aware of sin consciousness, of guilt and shame. It's not making you aware of who you are in Christ. Now, of course, we know we don't deserve it because of anything we've done, and we should be humble and thankful, but we don't have to be feeling so unworthy and so condemned. No, that's from the enemy. Anything that came from a result of sin is not from God, and guilt and shame is a result of sin. We need to hold our head up and say, hey, I'm his child. He loves me. (laughs) I didn't earn this. I just received it. Thank you, Lord. I just received this abundance of grace and this gift of righteousness. Amen. We hope this message has encouraged you today. For more information on our ministry or to donate, visit onewayministries.net.